Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Hello and welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach and this week I'm joined by Angela. How are you doing? Hello, I'm here. <laughs> that you are. Virtually, yes. <laughs> this is our first like duo, tandem, whatever, yeah. effort in quite a while. And this is also our best of 2021. It is. Um there will be a companion article because we can't include all the things we want to, I think. Yeah, we could, but then it would be like a five-hour podcast and no one wants that. Yes, that's true. I think we're going to go with five each is the plan. Yeah. I hope that's the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. If we agreed to the plan, that was the plan. And possible honourable mentions, which are just going to be mentioned, I assume. Honourably. Honor, with honor we shall mention them with honor yes <laughs> yes no that is very much my intention too um i think we almost have a plan I'm impressed with us yeah i know um but yeah there'll be a longer more comprehensive mm. article featuring stuff from matt and will and luke and luke yeah joe if we can if we can get Joe to do something, yes. Yes. Um, He's read some stuff this year. He has. We all have. We all have. It's good. Um, I'm also going to throw in now before I forget that we do now have an online tip jar thing uh, with coffee, Kofi, Kofi. I, I think it, I presume it's meant to be pronounced coffee because originally it was like buy me a coffee. Yes, but I can't help but read it as like Kofi because lo-fi. Kofi. But... Yeah, Kofi. I I read it as Kofi, as in Kofi announced. So there we are. Yes. Yeah, here we are. Anyway, um, we've got one. Yeah, we've we've got one now because um, well, we just spend an awful lot of money on making this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this in, advert-free podcast. Yeah, true. In the efforts yeah. of not having adverts on the podcast or the website website thank you very much um yes it does mean that <laughs> we don't make no money um no. it would be nice to also we keep buying comics to review and such yeah which anyone who has bought comics will know it's it's not a cheap hobby that we have here no we have the we, we do have some review copies which is yeah a blessing but still right. thank you to those who send them Yes. I'm not going to list them because I immediately start getting confused, but you yeah. know who you are. <laughs> um, Thank you, kind publishers. Yes. And occasional kind writers who just, yeah. just go for it. And, mm. um, I am a big fan of the writer and or artist message going, comics? You, do you want comics? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, take them. yeah. We'll, we'll review um, them. We will look at them yeah we will, possibly, we will possibly interview you about your nice comics whether you want it or not yeah um so yes here we are end of the year roundup it 
is slightly early because it's weird to me when we put these out in 20 did 20 what yeah thank you couldn't remember what year it is when we do like the delayed thing i feel like everybody else has already gone for it so yeah we're getting in there early getting in there early angela that's all part of the plan nothing and most of them are are complete runs or they've had the first trade out at least so yes i i realized too late when my list was done that two of my picks started at the end of last year but i think we were only one issue in by the time that like like one or two issues in by the time this year kicked off so the trades and everything came out we tend to work in trades i think as a podcast so yeah yeah to make it easier for the people the people whoever they are whoever the people are so our intention was to go in chronological order yeah however we haven't figured out which one of us is chronologically going first no i mean i the first one that i have and i'm just trying to look up when the first issue was i'm just doing referencing while we're here um the one that i did was the first one i did came out come on comicsology give me some ah six of jam all right um like first issue came out first issue came out in the 6th of january we did it in the january roundup all right i I think i've got november um (laughs) (laughs) so i think i've got i've got a january i think i've got a february march and april possibly i might be making that up but i've got early months i realize how uninteresting this is to people at home (laughs) but i've got a um november december from last year yeah, yeah, March, April, July, I think. In <laughs> it's other a real words, shot of months. In other words, dear listeners, us trying to do this chrono- chronologically, chronologically, not is just not going to happen. So it's probably better that you do an early one and then I do an early one and yeah, we go so chronologically we through our alternating. Choices. Yes. Yeah. I think the chronology thing was more about not some, some put, kind of trying order. to impose any other kind of order because we don't know what we're doing no. um we do know what we're doing though chronologically yeah. we're doing yes. this right yeah. so i guess i'm kicking us off then you are yeah because you have the earliest chronologically <laughs> apparently so <laughs> um so to the surprise of few my first pick is crossover <gasps> shocking um so started end of last year, um, I think I think the end of November. So I think we got the first trade in about June, I think, memory serves. Which yeah, was, we got it quite an early trade, yep. Uh, which was Kids Love Chains. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, basically, in a nutshell, Crossover is creatively um, written by Donny Donny Written by Donny Crates. <laughs> Getting crates. Kids love crates. Uh, bigger yeah. than crates. Let me get all over my system. <laughs> creatively is written by. Um, why do I keep saying creatively? That's the problem. Creatively written by it, the creative team. <laughs> is written by Donny Cates. Uh, the artist is Jeff Shaw. 
Colorist is D. Cunniff, and letterist is John J. Hill. I'm still trying to make letterist happen. Um, I'm going to make it happen. We're going to carry on with this. In the, you know, broadest of strokes, crossover basically tells the story of a... I don't know, a portal opening up in Denver, Colorado, in which every comic book character breaks through into the real world. Um, which is kind of it. It basically then talks about how, you know, a mystic character managed to trap Denver in a bubble containing most of the problem, except for some characters that had already gotten out. Um and there's a kind of public uprising against comic books. So kind of comic book shops uh, under fire. And our story follows uh, Ellipsis or Ellie as she works in a comic book shop and discovers a little girl who's from inside the bubble and is doing everything she can to get the kid back in the bubble, but also wants to get herself in the bubble because that's where her family is too. Um, along the way, we also get introduced to Ryan, who is kind of the son of a preacher who is dead against comics, but Ryan isn't really against comics and just gets kind of put on a bad path by his dad. And he's actually not a bad kid all the time. Um, I think that's, that's the bulk of crossover. Um, are you up to date on crossover? Are you... I'm I'm definitely up to date in terms of the first trade and however many issues was the first trade five issues. I'm going to say yeah. I've read up to seven. <laughs> it might be six issues the first trade. Yeah, I've and read then up seven, to seven. The chips that asked issue. Yes, I have read that. Yeah. Cool. So kind of as it goes on, we see that someone is killing off comic book creators. Yes. Um, which kind of leads into the intrigue and mystery of the second volume after the first one is kind of just about getting to Colorado. Um, I think it's been two very different volumes so far. The first seems kind of all out introducing every character you possibly can, bringing in a lot of cameos and universe world building, whereas the second one feels, I guess, more grounded and kind of mystery based i'm not sure where volume three will go when that comes out because we must be we're 10 issues in so we must be getting close to yeah yeah i think we might be at the end of volume two and then volume three is gonna be issues 11 onwards i don't know i'm speculating here because i don't really know what's going on but um maybe there's two more i don't know it's I think it's been a really good series. I think it does things that are constantly surprising. And I get that some of it is kind of who's the next cameo going to be. But I think the idea that it's, I I thought we were just basically going to open the door on like glory and Supreme and is he bad rock? Like thing alike. Oh yes. Yeah. Like cyber force and stuff like that. And instead, there's been some bigger kind of image cameos and some delving into other companies stuff, which is kind of cool and 
makes me think that there's legitimate potential that this can kind of go anywhere at any given moment, yeah. which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think Cates has been doing a great job, and I think Jeff Shaw's art's been really good. I think he's obviously it's challenging to kind of reimagine everyone else's characters when you have to, but I think he does it well. I, I just think his work has come along because I think I've read all of his stuff with Cates at least. So we're a few books in now, and I think yeah. he we, we see a solid development of his style from one book to the next, which is nice. Anything you want to say about crossover? Anything it's, it's I haven't good. already just said? It, it's the first, I mean, it's interesting. It's like the first few issues, you're just basically like, oh, who's that? Like, literally spotting the cameos. It's, it's definitely, it's like yeah. You reread just to go, have I caught them all? Have I got all your references, Mr. Yes. Pates? And there's a lot of little back de- background details. And... Yeah. Um, I really like Ellie. I think Ellie, I mean, the fact that she's called Ellipsis, poor soul. <laughs> you can see why she goes by Ellie. Um, it's really nice. And it's just, I mean, that, I remember we did, the, did we do the first? I'm sure we did the, I'm sure we've done it in some form before. We did the first issue on, I guess it was the November Roundup when we also did that other Donny Cates book. Oh, yes. We doubled the Cates. Um, I can't remember what the other one was so called, was one, but we so never one, got any other yeah. issues. No, so we didn't continue. <laughs> but crossover was really good, and I, but I do remember sort of liking the analogy in that first issue as well of like the religious right going after comic book shops. It felt quite yeah, particularly at the time in November last year. Um, but no, it's it's a good book, and like you say, it it's certainly that Chip Zdarsky issue takes it some. Good, good places. Yeah, it does a lot. I just never considered, you know, was an option. Um, and I think it's interesting having Chip Zdarsky write. Chip Zdarsky is a character. Um, it feels very a, meta, yeah. There's a weirdness that kind of suits Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, very much. Um, but yeah, it's... There's very little of it that I haven't enjoyed. I think for the bulk of it, I've been really into the crossover and I'm looking forward to see where it can go. Um, there are some characters we've kind of lost track of during this second arc that I would like to see around again. Hopefully that's on the cards. I guess we'll find out soon. Maybe in Maybe. volume three. They might make a re- triumphant return. Most triumphant. Yeah. Um, yes, would you like to throw your... Shall I throw my first one, which we've already established was from the 6th of January 2021. So I'm told. Make, we did cover the first issue in the January roundup, as it turns out. Um, it's to the surprise of no one, because I've been pushing this comic on anyone who will listen, um, which is Scout's Honour, published by Aftershock. Uh, written by David Popose, who... We've done interview episodes with him. Uh, the art by Luca Casalanguida, the colouring by Matt Miller, and the letterist, we're going to make it happen, uh, was Carlos M. Mangual. And basically, Scout's Honor takes place in an ap- apocalyptic, there's the word, future where we have a ranger scout. The ranger scouts are like a bit of a cult. 
um, go about killing radioactive animals or getting killed by radioactive animals. Um, the sort of real star of the Ranger Scouts is um, a young person called Kit. And I will give away the twist because Kit's a girl and girls shouldn't be Ranger Scouts. So Kit has to hide who she is. Um, and she faces many trials in this world. She has a friend called Dev who is also a rival um and their relationship develops it's only four issues it's like four issues and done it's a very self-contained story which i like the trade didn't come out till like september which saddened me um but yeah basically it's all about sort of kit being discovered she discovers the dark truth behind the ranger scouts and then she sort of ends up being the one to try and bring them down um, but there's a lot of sort of religious allegory in it, which I really like. There's a lot of sort of the Ranger Scouts as a religion and sort of having their own sort of prophet, as it were. And so the way that it's it's sort of done that way is really clever because it's very relatable to anyone who's been in sort of any sort of religious or cultish experience. Uh, but also the fact that Kit is a girl pretending to be a boy is handled really well, particularly in these days where we're much more aware of gender. Um, the relationship with Dev's really good. Um, there's also there's sort of the cities where the Ranger Scouts rule over and then there's the outside sort of wastelands, badlands, barrenlands. Um and sort of the way that it's been, the Ranger Scouts have almost corrupted civilization. And so, you know, Kit sort of basically wages war on them with help from these other people. Uh, but also, my favorite bit um, tames a giant spider and rides into battle on the back of a giant spider. Uh, the art is really good. I mean, giant spider. <laughs> But there's also a really good bit, and I think it's issue three, is it issue two? I think it's issue three, where sort of there's a acid rain moment, which is just like green rain and lightning, and it's really atmospheric, and also mm. giant spider. Um, and the way Kit's drawn is really good, because once you actually know that Kit is a girl, you can sort of recognize that in the art, and then you can go back and go, ah, it was the clues were there all along. Um, so yeah, there's some really nice stuff in it. It's really nicely arted. Um, it's it's really well paced. It is a one and done trade. Um, uh, but it is one of. I mean, I, it's kind of stupid because I was saying this in January. This is going to be one of my books of the year, and here we are in December, and it is. You know, <laughs> really is. There we are. That's that's my pitch there. Um, I I completely agree. I think Scouts Honor has been just one of the best things this year um actually got an email from david propose like the other day there was like a press email that was like hey everyone please consider <laughs> scouts honor for your end of the year list and it's like yeah i don't know where angela is I... <laughs> there was never any doubt was just very aware that this conversation was in in our future it's um just just a really good standalone like single volume story and um kind of nails the whole like dystopian you know warped post-apocalyptic view where one thing has gone on to shape a civilization um just really nicely i think 
it doesn't feel like there's any wasted motion. It feels quite well concentrated and ultimately comes out of it as just a straightforward, really good story. I think there's some twists in there and oh, yeah. um, definitely some surprises, giant spiders. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, everything you've said, I, I pretty much agree with. Yeah, it's just a really good volume. Yeah. I mean... I was I was predisposed because David Popose. Um but I'm really glad that it was as good as I had hoped. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I we were always gonna check it out because Spencer and Locke. Yeah, Spencer <laughs> and Locke, one of the best comics that really never got enough traction. Yes. And um I, I think that kind of guaranteed we were gonna check it out and I think it's his best comic so far. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm really into the OZ, the OZ. Yeah, uh, the OZ, yeah, as I mispronounce it frequently. But I, I think it's hard to judge that as it's not finished. Yeah. I think Scout's Honor feels like his most rounded, like, realised story. So yeah, far. I think it takes, I think it, it it shows his development as a writer. I think there's elements of Spencer and Locke in there. I think there's certainly elements of the OZ in there as well, particularly the Dorothy character. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's his best because he's he's at the point where he's been able to develop those things, and yeah, just make a really good story. Yes, completely agree. So what's what's next on your list of doom? Sarah, yeah. It's last December, okay? Yeah. It's the, like, last podcast of the year, or penultimate podcast of the year, and we're talking about homesick pilots. Oh, I'm <laughs> shocked. So shocked that that came up. <laughs> now, now, drag yourself forward 12 months, and here the hell we are. Um, it's Dan Waters, it's Casper Wingard, it's Aditya Bidakar. Uh, it's perfection. <laughs> yep. Um, basically tells the story of a teenage punk band in the 1990s who are trying to find a cooler venue than their rival punk band, the Nuclear Bastards, and settle on a haunted house in their California town that they live in. And um, their singer, Amy, Amy, their singer, Amy, goes to check it out and basically doesn't come back um, because the house is really haunted. And she ends up kind of working on behalf of the house to gather up the ghosts that have been taken from it over the years. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it is well worth the read, but basically leads to haunted house kind of mech fights, like of Megazord kind of proportions, Um, VHS tape monsters, government agencies working to build their own haunted house mech, Yeah, I <laughs> we've talked about it a lot. We did a we did the first issue last year um, on Pull or Pass. We did um, the trade on yeah. 
a Zach and Angela episode we many did. months ago. Um, Luke has reviewed the trade for the website. I've reviewed most of the singles for the website, all the singles possibly. Yeah, all the singles. Um, yeah. So it's not exactly a secret that I'm pretty into this. Um, I've been following Dan and Casper's comics since Limbo, so that was like 2015. Um, this was originally intended to be a kind of spin-off from Limbo. Um, well, it was intended intended to be the second volume of Limbo, and then kind of spun off into its own bigger thing. Um, it's nearing its end. I think there's only going to be three trades, so we've got like five or six issues to go, depending on how long this last trade is. Um, Casper's art is the best. <laughs> it, um, maybe not the best, best, but he, it's the best for this sort of book. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he's really awesome. I think his colouring has this kind of um, muted neon thing going on, like pastely. Um, Aditya Bidikar, we talked about it when we talked about the trade and when we talked about Graffiti's Wall and name a book, you know. Um, he's just a really good letterer, letterist. And, um, yeah, just kills it, whether he's, you know, doing speech bubbles for a ghost or a person or whatever. I think he's got great variety in lettering and uh, Dan's writing, I just think, is the best it's been here. Um, yeah. I mean, I've read, what, his Lucifer, Limbo, uh, Dead Roots, Deep deep roots even <laughs> dead roots might also be available yeah Cough, coffin bound and i think this is the most like round i think dan and casper do their best work together yes they do um and i would kind of quite happily just see them have constant ongoing series together in yeah whatever form they choose to take so yeah really really into this and oh it's also i probably mentioned this in the last time we did this yeah. he's also got a description of the Ramones um, <laughs> and why the Ramones are good which is like completely nails Perfect. <laughs> explaining the Ramones and that is still a highlight for me I'm still a fan of that yeah I'm done you can go <laughs> it's, it's, I mean you've basically said it all it's just it's just a really good book isn't it it's just the writing's good, the concept's cool, the art is good. It's just really good. It's very difficult to come up with anything to say other than that, which is really depressing in one regard, but on another, it's like, yeah, it's just really good, though. Because you don't want to reveal... Yeah, you don't want to reveal too much, because part of the joy of that is just seeing how it all... Because there's stuff in there that you think, oh, that's... That would never happen. It does happen. Or that's, you think something's unimportant and then it's not unimportant. And it's little things. And also the characters um, are really good. The homesick pilots as a little trio are kind of very relatable. And yeah, it's just, you know, for, you know, for those of us who remember the nineties, it's also a little bit of a nostalgia trip and it's just, yeah, it, it's, like you said, Dan Watson and Casper Wingard are doing their best work. 
on this. Yes. It's it's definitely up there, and it's nice that they've had it as an ongoing for so long, twelve months now <laughs> and counting. So I'm told, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it it's just a really good book, isn't it? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really say anything. Can't add anything more. I, I think as well, like character design-wise, um, is something I didn't mention, but it's rare you get legitimately interesting character design amongst ghosts that don't really speak. And that's yes. impressive within itself. Also, yes. human characters all look pretty distinctive. And yeah. like the homesick pilots themselves... Uh, immediately recognisable. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you haven't read Homesick Pilots, why? <laughs> yeah, definitely do. It's just... I've said it a lot, and everyone's probably heard it by now, but it's just just good. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. That was. A, there is a much longer podcast episode, but essentially that is a lot of us going, yeah. <laughs> as Pretty I recall. much, yeah. It's that's just all, us agreeing with did. each other yeah. for an hour yeah. and then yeah. we go home. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> good times. Speaking of good times. <laughs> well, I'm afraid the next one isn't good times. Um, oh, no. No, it's, it, it's Hollow Heart, which was published by Vault. Which isn't, it's, don't get me wrong, it's a good book, but it will rip your heart out and stomp all over it frequently when you're reading it. It is the angstest-filled book of 2021, in my opinion. Um, so it was written and lettered by Paul Allor. It was arted, lined, coloured and covered by Paul Tucker. It was basically Paul and Paul. And Paul and Paul are evil, evil men who made me care about things and just made me very emotional. So the essential thing about Hollow Heart is you have Elle, who is essentially the remains of a human, kind of, organic parts, we shall say, in sort of a giant robot suit, essentially. Um, And Elle is really depressed and down, kept in this facility, can't escape this facility, um it's pretty brutal and awful and torture is involved and then this mechanic matteo comes along um who wants to try and help l and fix l and it's a love story between l and matteo and it's just really really i mean i'm not gonna say how i don't want to give too much away because seeing it unfold is really good but you will cry <laughs> frequently because it's just such a hopeless situation um matteo's desperate to help l l does you know has all these suicidal thoughts at points and it's just too and i mean matteo's kind of broken in his own way um and it's just too broken people or you know a broken person a person with a good heart just trying desperately to you know make a happy ending for themselves um there are also scattered throughout there's there's like a story so we start off in issue one with a story about a goldfish um 
and this little boy has a goldfish and he sees the goldfish and he wants to free the goldfish and he takes it out to the woods and he dumps the goldfish out and then he doesn't understand why the goldfish basically dies um but you can always get another goldfish but it's that sort of there are different stories that's the one the first issue but each issue because it is again it's complete i think it's six issues is it can't remember but it's a one and one and done um story and yeah you have all these little metaphorical stories that took me what i liked was that was added value for me because i had to reread them several times and it was only sort of when i finished the issue that i went back and actually understood why we had that particular metaphorical story in there and what it was trying to tell me about what was going on. So, yeah, it it is ridiculously angsty and I wouldn't go into it expecting to do anything but cry, have some tissues handy. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a very emotional, touching, sweet book about kind of a cyborg-y robot man and the man who wants to save him. There you go. It's it's an angsty love story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it was a really good standalone graphic novel um, trade, whatever you want to call it. Um, definitely the angstiest, the most angsty. Yeah. Uh, there was angst upon angst yes definitely and um i've read a lot of paul aller this year but most of it was turtles so (laughs) it was kind of nice to see a very different book from him um obviously my gargantuan turtles catch-up uh was a lot and although he does some darker bits of turtles, I think this is definitely angstier and darker than the angstiest and the darkest of the turtles. Um, and I think Paul Tucker's got quite a unique style throughout. It's yeah, there's not... some really clever ways that he's portraying certain events. Definitely, yeah. And I think he has a style that we don't really see reflected in a lot of other artists at the moment. It's kind of mm. um, felt quite individual and gave Hollow Heart its own tone, I think. Um, we are into some quite angsty sci-fi stories. They normally have robots. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, th- I think this has been the peak of that this year for me. I don't know if maybe there's something else that I'm not thinking of, but I feel like this has been like peak angst. Yeah, this was <laughs> definitely the angstiest robot-related book I have read. And I have read several. <laughs> yes, I think we both have. But yeah. no, Hollow Heart is well worth checking out. I don't have tons to add that you haven't already said, no. but that that's... Yeah. yeah, it's a good book, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Vault have had quite a good year. I think this might come as a shock based on the list we're putting together, but I think every publisher has had a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, 
obviously we're more more focused on the indie side of things so i I can't really speak for marvel and dc's output um i've read a little bit but not previews where i'd like lots of books from them i haven't really done much this year um but image and vault um dark horse boom kind of everybody seems to have been yeah oh yeah definitely aftershock Mm. um yeah, we, I mean, we're going to touch on other publishers, but I think yeah. everyone's had a pretty killer pretty, year. Yeah. Um, it's my turn, isn't it? That's it what is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so my third book, um, which I'm under the impression started in March, might not be true, but that's what that's the impression I am under, um, is Carmen. Oh, it's yeah. Incidentally, by in March <laughs> and pretty much nobody else pretty much just him I, he had a translator as well if, he did because he's Spanish and this is in English now um, it was six issues I think five issues maybe I think it was six it was it was quite a long it felt yes it, it could actually it could well have been six issues no five it was either five or six hmm. i will confirm while you carry on um but basically tells the story and again have we done a full episode on this we haven't we need to it's five issues uh but we're we, waiting for the trade yeah which collection is february 2022 see i've also seen may and that worries me <laughs> That's concerning. Considering need, it's out in it. Spanish and the translation work has been done now, and it's out mm. in French and Italian. It's out in every language but English, as a deluxe hardback, nice edition. Um, anyhow, I should get back to the point, which is basically Carmen is a kind of, well, depending on if you want to go with the English <laughs> images summary or the uh, european summary is either an unconventional angel or the grim reaper um i love that <laughs> in europe it's like she's death get over it and in america the like image things like an unconventional angel it's like she's death she's death though man she's death um, let it go um so she's you know an embodiment of death she's not the only one but i guess it's a group effort um, and basically comes to take the soul of Katya onto the next world after she has killed herself in the bath, essentially. Yep. Um, but as Carmen is unconventional, oh, yes. <laughs> um, she basically gives Katya quite a lot of time to, you know, come to terms with what's happened and explore her life and it's kind of heartbreakingly perfect i think is yep um so we kind of get like a full life story of catcher almost or very close to and learn quite a lot about carmen as well along the way Mm. um and Despite the fact that I said this, like, a book ago. Man, it's just the best art, isn't it? <laughs> I would say, and I don't know what else you've got on your list, but I know what's on my list, 
and this is certainly the prettiest book of 2021 for me. Yes, I think it's the most kind of traditional art almost. Yeah. Um, but like his so so um March's like approach to anatomy is really on point. There's a lot of nudity and there's It's a European comic. Which yeah seems like an inevitability yeah. somehow. And there's a lot of attention to detail. So Carmen is literally like a woman in a black bodysuit that's got bones on it, except it's unclear if it's a bodysuit or if she's just bones in the shape of a... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if she's bones wearing a shadow. I'm not sure. Yeah. I like that as a sentence. I'm not sure if it made sense, mm, though. Bones wearing a um, shadow. Yeah. But it, the, the, like, detail of the skeleton is, like, insane. And the just detail in general is insane yeah. throughout this. Like... He does some really weird perspectives, like almost M.C. Escher-esque oh, weirdness. Yes. And um, everything's depicted of basically where he's from, which is Spain. But yes. a particular part is the island. Mallorca. It's Mallorca, That's right? That's the one. Yeah. Um, and kind of, it's like you can Google photos of it and it's exactly the same. He's... Yeah. Yeah, just nailed it. And I think that's basically, yeah, art and writing, I think, are pretty on point throughout all of this. I don't think there's any kind of wasted energy. I know I've said that about a few of these books, but I think it's just really streamlined and well-constructed. We talked a couple of weeks ago about his book, Laura, which is from about 15, 20 years earlier. And... You can see like how well he's developed as a creator, and I think my only disappointment with this book is the image felt the need to split this up into single issues when yeah they could have just given us the hardback collected edition as we're getting it in Europe and just. Yes. That, yeah, that is, for me, that is the one drawback, is that they didn't do that, and they should have done. Because it's fine, as because I read it in singles, because there's no other option. You read it in singles, because there's no other option if you want to read it in English. And sometimes you think, yeah, you've, you can clearly see that they have sort of taken a guillotine and just chopped some pages. And yeah, gone, this just... is where issue, this ends. And, yeah. There's no chapter breaks or anything in the European edition, so they have basically just been randomly selected as chapters. Um, it's a complaint I've made on a lot of podcasts, but I think we do need to see more European comics released in the format the creator wrote them in. Yeah. And we need more... We need more people being allowed to write graphic novels if that's what they want to do, rather than writes than write a graphic novel that has to be singles. Yeah. Um, after the year we the year and a half, two years we've had, I don't know how many people are realistically still going into comic book shops to pick up, uh, you know, hundred issue standing order when. 
it's not the most comfortable way to read stories. If you're actually yeah. into comics for the reading, I don't know how many people are, are still doing singles right now. At least physically. I know I, yeah. we're both doing comicsology yeah. singles. I've noticed that. I do. My singles reading is digital, but I also prefer trades. If I'm going to read something physically, I'll read it in a trade. And I have, I mean, there are, I mean, like that, you know, I own these books in trade as well as the fact I've read them in singles. Because when I reread yeah. it, I want to reread it as a complete story. And a lot of my picks are kind of self contained, as we've already established. Yeah, absolutely. And like, don't get me wrong, I've, I've read, um, homesick pilots as digital singles but i've got the trades trade, yeah. uh, i've got the trades across the trade of crossover um i will have barbaric whenever i remember to buy it carmen i've read digitally but i think i have the first issue physically and i've got the obviously we've got the spanish edition in my living room so you can at least look at it yes the way it was intended and i'm I think that's the, tr- the thing that's true of this. Anything we particularly have enjoyed this year, we're going to pick up the trades of or whatever. Yeah. Personally, I'm holding out for the hardcover three-in-one homesick pilots, even though I've already got two of the trades. But hey, <laughs> what, what's new? Yeah, I just, I just need. I just, I, I can't understand why we've not had the Carmen trade yet, and I think it needs to be done. It needs to be pretty hardback. It's absolutely perfect for that, and I cannot understand why the original publishing date was February 2022. It makes no sense at all. None. It's really disappointing when, as we've covered, you can get it in other languages. Yeah. What's the problem? (sighs) What's your problem? But it is a really good, pretty book. It is, and yes, would recommend absolutely would you like to do your third Third, my third pick is i think they're all image now sorry guys but um damn my lack of diversity in publishers um so it's home um which the writer is julio anta the artist is and i apologize for the way i'm about to butcher this anna wiesick um it's it, confident angela yeah we'll go with that uh vice okay i apologize um the colorist is brian valenza and the letterist is a name that we will mention again because he's my favorite letterer hassan otsman Allahu. um so home is a very simple story in some respects it's about uh, a little boy called Juan, who I, be- I think it's Guatemala he's coming from. I think. It is. Um, so he's coming with his mum, Mercedes, to the United States. Mercedes has a sister there, and the idea is they're going to go there. Uh, Juan's father was killed. That's not a spoiler. Um, so Mercedes fears for her son, and they go. Uh, they want to go and find a better life in America. Um, unfortunately... <laughs> America's not a very friendly place towards immigrants at the moment. Um, So they do get to America where they're promptly um, basically incarcerated and incarcerated separately. And we've all seen those pictures of children in cages. Well, Juan is a child in a cage. Um, But as it turns out, he has latent superpowers, 
which he then uses to break out and he's then on the run from ICE and all the border immigration people. Um, at its heart, it's really a story of a little boy who should not be in this situation. Um, the reason I've picked it is because it's very much a book of our times at the moment and I think some of the stuff actually applies to the UK, which has become intensely anti-immigrant since Brexit um in all the worst ways um but i think anyone who sort of read you know you read news reports about trump building a wall and incarcerating children and you think surely it cannot happen in a place like america but it does so this book will make you intensely angry um uh but it's highlighting a really important issue it's telling the story in a really good way it's just focusing on one kid and yeah this kid's got superpowers he can't control um but in a way that's almost just a device to sort of a way to get him out of detention i guess um and another reason for them to hunt him and another reason for them to hate him but the truth of the matter is if he was just a normal kid who'd happened to escape they would still be hunting him with the same ferocity which is what's really depressing it's not a happy book god i've not picked happy books have i but no it's no, not a not. happy book it's not a happy book but it's i think it's an important book and i think that's the i'm gonna say it doesn't stick the landing for me um it was five issues it's a single trade I do have issues. With, I think it needed longer or different to wrap up. So I'm going to go into it saying I don't think, I think the first, I think the first four issues are very good. The first issue is, is immensely hard hitting and very emotional. Not to say the others aren't, but the first one in particular is. Uh, but I do think, I do think it doesn't quite get the landing for me. I would love to see some sort of sequel to this because it is, I feel it's crying out for that in some respects. Um, and I think it's it would be good to sort of have um, that sort of voice um, being portrayed in comics. So, yeah, it's an important book. It's not an easy read, but I think it's important to read precisely because of the subject matter. I, I agree, definitely. I think um, it was a surprise. I wasn't sure what to expect from this. Uh, I don't think any of us were. Uh, the superpowers were a real shot in the dark, let's be honest. Yep. Um, but I think, particularly to begin with, yeah, it's, it's a really strong start and immediately gets you um, invested very quickly. Um, it's hard to have a lot to add, really. I think you are right, and the ending isn't quite what it could have been. Um, I think a longer final issue maybe or yeah. some kind of sequel would definitely be a good shout. Um, but I think overall it works. Um, and I think it's it's a book with a, a message and something to say and it does that in a well-structured way. Um, I saw someone describe this as an interesting take on the Superman story, which honestly, what? <laughs> um, Superman was a little white kid from the south. <laughs> he was fine. Yeah, and that was a, a, a statement that I read and was like, I, was, I mean, no. <laughs> um, 
I think people. I think we need to start seeing comics with superpowers as not necessarily a take on something else. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that's what this is. I think no. It has the similarity of having a child with superpowers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess super, Superman was an immigrant, but he was an immigrant from you know another planet and. The fact he was an immigrant didn't kind of play, you know, he was immediately adopted by a sweet old white couple and that was it. Whereas Juan, just by the colour of his skin, immediately gets thrown into a detention cell where children are, you know, you know, like an orange. I think it's a moment with an orange and it's like, this is the best thing ever. And these children are basically being starved and abused. And yes. It's horrendous. And I'm going to say that Clark Kent never had to deal with any of that shit. No, Clark's biggest problem was lifting tractors and having laser yeah. eyes. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I find that to be a very odd way of yeah. looking at this comic. Um, but it's something that stuck with me as a... What? <laughs> um, but no, I, I think Home is really worth checking out. Um, even knowing that the landing, the ending, isn't as good as it could be, I think everything leading up to it is yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Go with that. So, I wonder which one you're going to talk about next. What's your next pick? Um. So, when I edit this later, you're just going to seem inexplicably smug, <laughs> but okay. Um, Go on. <laughs> Uh, my next pick is Alice in Leatherland from Yay. Black Mask uh, by Yolanda Zanfordino and Elisa Ramboli. Did we get yes. that one? Yeah. No, that was that was how you said it. Yep. So bad at names. Both of us are. But... We're terrible at names. We apologise to all the creative people involved if we've mispronounced your name. Yeah, we we're trying, but I'm just very old and. I don't, don't know how many people listening are going to know where Oldham is, but yeah, we are proper broad. Like, aye, that might not even. <laughs> that's the thing. If if all our listeners are in, I don't know, <laughs> in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, proper broad like is the most right. meaningless sentence. Literally, words to in be an fair, order. That's probably a me. I think you know. South of the M5, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but hey ho. Uh, I'll do like a Oldham podcast to inform people of what we're missing out on. Um, talk so about cool. that drive-through chippy we've got, and what what am I talking about? Right, Alice in Alice Leatherland. Alice in Leatherland, right? Yes, amazing. I'm not okay. Clearly, Alice in Leatherland basically tells the story of Alice, who is a writer who in a spare of the moment decision after realizing her girlfriend is cheating on her packs up her things and moves to san francisco following her friend robin's advice that she should pack up her things and move to san francisco to pursue a dream of being a writer um and basically is almost i guess almost like a slice of life romance type story like Slice of life romance comedy. A slice of... Slice of life romantic comedy. Um, About her life 
in San Francisco, finding a good place to live, finding a job, and um, basically, yeah, trying to date people in the 21st century in San Fran. And he's just kind of adorable, but funny and relatable and just good just nice as a comic i think overall um don't wrong there's some down moments but i think overall it's pretty optimistic and upbeat as a book and the kind of art style being quite cartoonish and being colored entirely in like shades of pink yep is a really nice stylistic choice we also have panels from the fairy tale that Alice is writing that kind of tells the story of what she's going through. Um, yeah, it's like semi-autobiographical, isn't it? Yeah, um, with her as a little firefly. Um, yeah. And kind of splices together with the story and basically just shows you what you've just read, but condensed down to like a single page and just really works as like a narrative idea i think for all of us at bigger than capes this is not our usual pick yeah it was legitimately a highlight of this year for me i think i've i've really enjoyed this yeah it's so sweet and adorable and you can't help but like it and yeah it, it i mean i I'm all about the angst, clearly, apparently. I blame Will. Um, but it is now, it was it, that one, you know, when I've read an issue of Hollow Heart and had my heart stomped on and read an issue of Home and got increasingly angry about the injustices of the world, it's nice just to be able to read Alice in Leatherland, which is just sweet and cute and funny. And it, it has no pretensions about being anything else. It wears its heart on its sleeve, just like Alice does. And yes. it's just really nice. And, yeah, it's just the kind of, if it was a person, you'd want to hug it. And, you know, wrap it up in a nice warm jumper because it's just sweet. I, yeah, definitely. All, all of those sentiments. Um, this is one of those episodes where because we're just absurdly positive, we don't actually have a lot to say other than... <laughs> This was it's great. Really Go read good. it. You should read it. Yes. Um. So yeah, I yeah entirely into this. Um. I think this is the third time I've talked about it now because I mentioned it when we talked about a thing called Truth, and I yeah. did it as one of my hey start reading comics here recommendations. Yeah. So I'm not sure what I've got left to say <laughs> that I've not already ran through, but no. But it is, it's a good one for newbies. It's a good one for oldies. It's just a good one. Just a good one, Angela. Good yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, would you yeah. like to go for your next? I would, because I've, I've also got a good one. I've got the oh, good, good Asian. Good. The good Asian, you see. Segue. Um, which is by Image, which was written by the aforementioned some time ago, Pornsack Pikachote. Uh, the art is by Alexandra Tefenki, and we've also got Lee Luffridge and Jeff Powell doing things, and apparently Dave Johnson and Will Dennis are mentioned in the creative team, but I 
we know what they're doing um <laughs> i assume so basically it's it it's ongoing it's not finished yet we've just had issue seven i think recently yeah I think yeah um but the first trade came out this year so we'll talk about that um so the good asian follows a detective called edison hark which is one of the greatest names and follows in the great footsteps of all the 1940s pulp detective stuff because there is <laughs> there is yeah. a lot uh, there is a huge influence from pulp detective um books and films you know film noir and all that um so edison hark has he grew up in san francisco and he was kind of taken in by mason caraway who was this weird creepy old man um who is dying um and his son has called uh, edison back in order to um look into the disappearance of the caraway's maid who is called ivy um the twist of course is that ivy was uh chinese american and indeed so is edison hark so he comes from hawaii he went to hawaii and made a a life for himself because obviously there there's a big asian population and there's not the same racial barriers that you get in america um so he comes back and he is your classic hard-boiled detective but he's got this added layer of the fact that he is a chinese american and he has to deal with a lot of racism um it's really good it's sort of dealing with asian american culture and asian american history um at the back of each issue there's like a little history lesson about some aspect of um america to do with asian immigration that will probably make you angry (laughs) It's a theme with the books I'm picking, I'm sorry. Um, But it just gives some nice historical context to things that are going on. Um, So Edison, yeah, he's a really, I wouldn't say likeable necessarily protagonist, but he's a protagonist who's interesting and you want to see. Um, And, you know, his relationship with the Caraways is explored, his past is explored. Um, His, you know, he goes through Chinatown, um, meets different characters there. Um, turns out there's a serial killer running about as well um, that he has to get to the bottom of. Is that, you know, what's that going on? Who's responsible for that? How does it link into Ivy's disappearance? It's a really good crime story as well. So if you like your crime fiction, you like your crime fiction comics, then I would definitely recommend The Good Asian. I can't say how it ends because it's not ended yet. The first trade is isn't really self-contained in that it doesn't really have an ending per se. There are a lot of twists and turns. I thought I completely had a handle on this by the end of the first trade. I didn't. I had nowhere near. Um, Stuff in the most recent issues has left me absolutely gobsmacked in the best of ways. I've been like, oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's really good crime. It's telling an important thing. It's got a message as well about the Asian American experience um but it's doing it within the context of sort of you know pulpy detective noir which i really love it's just a mashup of things the art is really really good um the use of color is fabulous between different scenes the way sort of things are framed so edison's like detective vision almost there's like panels of that which is really cool um it's just a really really good book Sorry to say, sorry to repeat myself again, but it is. 
I agree. Um, I haven't read as much as you. I've only read the first trade. So that's what, the first four? I think it's the first four, yeah. Because it made yeah. me go, what? Because it's a 10-issue book. It, it's a weird place. I, I get why, though. It's yeah. quite cliffhanger-y. Yeah. So it, it does make some sense. Um, really enjoyed what I've read. I quite like film noir stuff and that's definitely a massive influence here it's it's rare that we see kind of chinatown and asian american detectives and this this kind of thing in this kind of period so it's interesting to kind of get insight into that and it's clear that the research has been done for all of this yeah which, there's a historical consultant and everything which isn't something i think in any kind of film noir stuff i just don't think that's a thing we get i think people just have seen enough films to assume that they know how it was and run wild but here kind of working on making this accurate is really interesting yeah um, and I agree with what you've said. I think that kind of the stylized artwork really suits it and makes this a really interesting book that we don't get a lot of series like. No, but and I, I like that it will have an end point, um, but it's not going to be endless squeezed for all it's worth because it's got a specific it is like dipping into one of those nice pulpy yeah novels and it is so different to infidel (laughs) very much yeah i mean i can kind of actually see having read both i can kind of see the the, there is a common theme which is sort of about experiences as an outsider in a system from two very different places entirely different but yeah i can see thematically more than anything else um i also it is nice to see an image crime book that is not by ed brubaker and sean phillips um Nothing against them, but it's felt like for the last 10 years. 10 years, yeah. If if we're going to get a series, because, okay, you know, Chew, sure, or other such stuff. But if, you, if you're going to get a serious, just straight crime book, no twists, no fantasy element or horror element or if you're just going to get a crime story it's felt like it's a brubaker phillips kind of deal and um i'm sure there are exceptions that i'm not thinking of but i think they have dominated crime comics for image for ever (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it feels like forever because yeah, I'm just thinking of their back on Oh, criminal! Oh, the fader! Oh, you know, you just you just start listing them in your head. And sure, some of them aren't straight straight crime, but some of them are criminal. Is criminal is just crime? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's right there in the, the name. name. Yeah. Um, so it's it's nice to see other people do crime books for image and see yeah. that there can be a greater variety in that. Yeah. 
that's largely what I have to add, I think, for this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's my... There we go. That, 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 <laughs> don't know what that meant, but... Yeah, that's, that, that's a gesture. Hand gesture I'm doing. Hand gesture, yeah. Um, which I guess brings me on to my fifth pick. Yeah. Um, and chron- chronologically the most recent, which is from Vault. Ooh. And... It is Barbaric by... Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's Michael Morecci, Nathan Gooden, Addison Duke, and Jim Campbell. Um, in a nutshell, yep. <laughs> I think I said, I've said all of these, it feels all like. All of these, but the, the latest nutshell... Is basically about a, you know, Conan the Barbarian type called Owen, who... In a weird twist of fate, is cursed by a trio of witches that he can only kill people kind of for the morally right reasons. So it has to be that the people he kills deserve to die. (laughs) Uh, And somehow that is judged, and the, uh, the answers to this have not been given to us yet, by a sentient... Axe, who is almost like a Jiminy Cricket type character playing Owen's conscience, who advises like, oh, you, you can't kill that one. Um, but also gets drunk on blood. So <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say how biased he is at that point, I guess. Um, I, think, I think he does bend things a little bit, does that axe on occasionally. A, yeah, there's definitely hints of that. And basically tells the story of them running across um, a witch called Soren, who is about to be burnt at the stake, who needs help because there are bigger problems in town than her being a witch. And um, it's just good stuff. Angela, it's like it's it's hilarious in parts as well. Axe yeah, is just Axe is just the best. Really, really is, and it's it's only been three issues, so it's like three oversized issues. We're going to get volume two next year, and I think we're going to get some spin-off stuff in the same universe. Yeah, to give like an anthology type thing as well. Um, I've never been a big fantasy guy or a big Conan the Barbarian type person or anything like that so I think the twists on this are enough that it's immediately been interesting to me I think talking axe uh, witch with weapons tattoos that she can pull out of herself to use as weapons she just like pull tattoos off her arm and use the knives that are tattooed there that's weird but kind of awesome in itself and i think nathan gooden's character designs and artwork throughout is really over the top but really works and there's some good brutal fight scenes and yeah just good stuff i i know we've said it a lot but right though it is it's just i mean i like that they're oversized issues because there's you know we've not had enough barbaric because it is just it's just a fun ride as someone who has read in her time far too much conan the barbarian 
Not I thought good. you might. Yeah. Oh, God, my deep dark past. Um, I will say this was just, I just loved it. It's just excellent. It was funny. It had emotion. Had an axe that talked and got drunk on blood. Oh, yeah, it did. So good. Um, yeah. I just had a good time with this. I think yeah. that's my overall takeaway. Um, would you like to go with your final pick? You my final pick, yeah. So if we have time, um, sorry, <laughs> segue. Um, it's an ongoing it's time before time, which is still going on. Um, from image, right, written, writened by, written by, uh, Declan Shelby and Rory McConville. Uh, the artist is Joe Palmer. The colorist is Chris O'Halloran. And the letterist is Hassan Opsmain Alahu. I would like Shocking. to point out, I'm very proud of myself for only picking two books he lettered. Because disclaimer, one of the reasons that I wanted to read this was because I knew he was the letterer on it. Oh, yeah, I do pick books based on who's lettered it. Um, so Time Before Time is interesting. It's about time travel, weirdly enough. So there's this guy called Tatsu who works for the shady organisation, The Syndicate, um, who relocate people to different periods in time um, for a large fee. And the theory is if Tatsu manages to, you know, pay off this debt that he has them, he will get a free relocation kind of deal. Um However, um, it it goes all horribly wrong for him. He has a friend called Oscar who bad things happen to. Not going to elaborate on that. Um, but the upshot is, is Tatsu ends up trying to steal a time pod, but it, then he gets thrown in with a woman called Nadia who is trying to find her family, we discover later on. Spoilers! Um, but they end up in this time pod and going back through time and they meet with the Union. So the Syndicate and the Union are like mortal enemies and there's a war going on. It There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, not going to lie. There's a lot of world building in this. Um, but it all works really, really super well. Um Tatsu's a really, he's a character who you want, you know, you're rooting for. Um, uh, his sort of, the way that his relationship with Nadia develops is really interesting as well, because that's a nice little thing that, because they start off, you know, she starts off basically holding a gun to his head, so it doesn't get off to the best of starts. You know, things things change. Um, but then you've got all the stuff with the syndicate and the union and, you know, travelling through time, there are twists, there are turns. Um, there's... And there's an, I think is it the sixth issue? I can't remember which one it is, but it's a complete standalone, which just tells the story of some people who've been relocated by the syndicate, which is just a gut punch. God, why with the angst? Why? I don't know. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, so Time Before Time is quite angsty in parts. The art's really cool. Um, the fact that you've got to realise different time periods as well, because we, mm. we bounce around quite a lot for obvious reasons. It's a time travel book. Um, but that's really the designs of the future. Uh, interesting. There's some nice little touches. Um, it's it's a it's a good book. I, it's difficult. I don't want to say too much because again, it's an important book that you discover for yourself. But if you like time travel stories, I would wager, unless you're a complete idiot, you'll like this. Harsh, Angela. But... I am judging people very harshly. 
But yeah, I think it's a fun little take on time travel trope. And there's also a crime mystery element as well. Yeah. Um, It's really good. (laughs) Um, I like time travel stories a lot. I've read a lot of them and watched a lot of them and everything else. And it's as god as time goes on it's harder to tell interesting time travel stories because you kind of fall into the same tropes don't you i guess this is the problem we and this does have similarities to other things it's immediately reminiscent of like um looper it's And and Looper's good, so that's good. It's it benefits it, but I think a lot of time travels, f- shows, films, books fall into the the time machine, Back to the Future. There's these kind of yeah. tropes quite easily. Well, I don't even know if they're tropes if they're so niche. Um, <laughs> I think they can be tropes. There's probably a pe- look if it's a page for it in TV tropes, it counts. Fair. Um, but I think this doesn't get too hung up on the time travel and manages to be quite character-based across time. So yeah, it, it's like the time travel is a part of the universe and a necessity for how this story works and how this world works, but it's not something that defines the story. I think you could... Yeah. You could make this a more traditional kind of crime book with, you know, they get away in a car or whatever and go and hide out somewhere new or whatever you want. It's not something that defines the book, even though it's central to how the book fits together. And it's a really interesting cast of characters we get, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think just world building and character work makes this a very, very good comic. And I think it's really interesting to have an ongoing time travel comic with, you know, this depth to it already. I think we're like, what, less than 10 issues in? and Yeah, it feels like we must have had like three trades by now. Yeah, it just feels really thought out and structured and it's nice to have time travel books that can keep going rather than something that's a one and done or a um almost a rush job i feel like there have been other image time travel books like um was it comeback that was like cancelled after a trade i think it was ed brisson which was quite cool and then cancelled gone and Chrononauts is the yeah. mind, which, whilst not being a bad comic, suffers from being Mark Miller and yeah. it's one trade. And will we ever get any more, or do we need more? Do we will want we get more? Because <laughs> I liked Chrononauts, but it it finishes, and then yeah, hey, here's the sequel, which I've not had time to read yet because I don't know if it needs to exist. Which yeah. is, um. But I don't know. I I 
I like Time Before Time. I think it's a unique approach to a time travel story and introduces ideas that whilst we might have seen before, we haven't seen so often that they're uninteresting. Yeah. It's keeping it fresh. And it's got a very unique style in the art and the layouts. And I like the giant years put across the top of each page. Yes. Not each page, but the pages where we jump time. Um, it's just a really nice detail to have. Um, and it's it's been pretty dark and legitimately terrifying at points. So Yeah. I'm all about the darkness, apparently. <laughs> apparently I think that yeah. reflects how I feel about 2021, it would seem. I mean, you got reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing where it's going to go in the new year. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting ride. Yes, I concur. So those those are the main picks. Have you anything that you want to briefly mention that didn't make the cuts? I do have some honourable mentions. Um, more than not making the cut, it's things that I think have come along so late in the year or just haven't finished yet and it's going to be like a one trade type deal so it's hard to say yeah this is you know of the best thing so the first is the blue flame from vault which is a superhero book of sorts yeah um a man who we kind of see from two points of view, we see him on Earth um, as a kind of costume vigilante type who is involved in an attack and then afterwards is quite badly injured and um, is re- trying to recover but is kind of not doing great. We also then see a parallel of him off in the cosmos where Earth is being put on trial for should Earth exist, yes or no. And I don't want to give too much away, but it kind of does what Mr. Miracle or The Vision or Mm. these kind of... It's that kind of book, but without the burden of being Mr. Miracle or Vision or... And I I just think it feels a lot more free because of it. It feels like it can do anything and it doesn't need to worry about upsetting someone who, you know, has loved the vision their entire life or it can just run wild, get weird and everything's great. Um, It's not finished yet. I think we're five issues in and there's 12 in total or 10 in total. I can't remember the deets, but those are definitely numbers. Um, Invest. I think it will read even better collected than it does in singles. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it's gonna go um do you want to like back and forth it again or are we, Should just... we back and forth it because i've got an honorable i've got some honorable i've got too many honorable mentions i'm gonna just brief that mine are gonna be fairly brief um i'm gonna mention exo mana war because i have to mention a valiant book it's it's in the contract that's etched on my soul um that i have to mention valiant um valiant <laughs> have had a rough few years frankly um they have struggled um 
Ninjak is a whole host of problems that I feel we need to discuss in its own episode. Um, but EXO has now finished. The last issue was out today at time of recording, day of recording. Um, it's a complete kind of, there's only nine issues, so it's a complete story and not many issues. Um but it's, I think it's one of, it's a very different take on Exo Man of War in that we finally have Shinara the suit getting her own sort of proper character and character arc. And I I never knew I wanted a witty um, suit of armor that talks back to Arik and has like buddy banter with him, but I am totally there for that. Um, it's made me actually like Arik, which is very difficult to do. I only wanted to slap him a couple of times throughout the entire run. Um, which, considering it's an EXO book, is blooming good. Um, it had a nice element of fun. It wasn't the most original plot line, um, it, but it I liked it, and I just... Yeah, it was nice to be able to like a Valiant book that was good this year. So there you are. Yeah. I... Yeah, fair play. <laughs> I am not up to date with EXO, but intend to be. And probably going to end up doing the trade review. I think we all know that. Yeah. Feels like that's in my future. Yeah, you <laughs> should. Um, I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, my next honourable mention is... Frontiersman. Yeah, very recent. Um, very recent. I think issue three came out last week. It's yeah. been a surprise. I so this is from Image. Um, we're three issues in. I didn't not to, not to be a, a dick, but I didn't really have any expectations for what this was going to be. I um haven't read anything from Patrick Kindlin before, so this was a first for me um but kind of tells the story of a retired well no it doesn't kind of tells the story of a retired superhero who gets back in the game but not to do any superheroing he's basically as the frontiersman who had a strong environmental stance in the past before deciding to live off the grid in the woods and you know retire um He's tracked down by a college student, university student, if you're in England, who encourages him to get back in the game and camp out at the top of Pacific Redwood to stop it being to stop these trees being cut down. And I think one of the villains says it it says it well enough in one of the either the first or second issue. Second issue, I think, basically says to come out of hiding is ego um and to come out of hiding and put a target on yourself is either suicide or a plan and i think in that basically sums up this kind of classic superhero type story of it's either a yeah an intentional plan to lure out all the super villains of past years and kind of go head to head with them and maybe survive maybe not and i just think there's a lot of interesting like possibilities and the storytelling is really smoothly kind of introduced characters that tell you something about the past of this universe and the villains and heroes and what's happened there but also 
each villain we've seen so far tells you more about frontiersmen, which is, I guess, a great way of doing things if you're trying to build like a superhero world around one character. Um, but it's been really good and a really, re- really rewarding read so far. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a mini or ongoing. I feel like it should be an ongoing, but I guess we'll see as it rolls forward. And um, yeah, it's good stuff. It kind of uh, immediately puts me on to like things like Black Hammer and Astro City yeah, and all yeah. these classic alternate superheroes, which is stated in the like back matter that that was the inspiration that's what they're going for and i think it's one thing to have that inspiration and another to actually execute that goal yeah yes intriguing thank you (laughs) um i'm gonna go with a complete one uh which is jules verne's lighthouse as an honorable mention um it's an Angela It's just the reason I didn't. I mean, it was hard to pick five anyway. Um, but I am aware that this is literally someone was like, "This Angela will adore this," and Angela does because it's it's nothing really to do with Jules Verne's actual lighthouse, which is a novel, uh, but it's a sci-fi set twist upon that. Um, where you have Vasquez, who is a veteran of a war, um, who's now on a space station and space pirates come along um, and they're after something on the space station, don't get attached to most characters, I'm going to (laughs) say. Again, a little bit angsty. Um, But my favourite character is Moses, the nanny bot, who is there to protect Vasquez, who is just the best. Although, a little bit psychotic. Um, and I just, I just really love it. I know the art's quite digital. It's not to everyone's taste. I'm thinking of Will and Matt. It's definitely not to their taste. I know this, but I just really enjoyed it. Again, it was sort of five issues and done. Um, it told the story really well. It had some twists and turns. It had sci-fi. It had a robot. What more did I want? Not a lot, really. Um, so yeah, I, at some point I will have to you know try and get more people on board with Jules Verne's Lighthouse because I don't think it got enough traction um I know it didn't because I ended up being quoted on the back of the train so clearly not enough not enough people were reviewing it clearly um but yeah it's really nice uh it's it's yeah it's a good book it's very solid it's sci-fi it's got tropes it's got robots it's got space pirates it's got really weird, freakish designs for some of the pirates as well, because they're kind of mutants. Um, and yeah, it's Vasquez is a very likable protagonist. Would recommend. Yeah, fair. Um, it's been probably one of the most Angela books this year, and very much, yeah, yeah. I can't argue with that. I am not sure I have any more honourable mentions lined up. I I have one that I think you'll probably agree with, if you want to go there. Sure. Hit me what you got. We've only just had the fourth issue. Primordial. Oh, God, yes. Primordial. Um, Um, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, Dave Stewart, Steve Wands, back together again. Um, So, yeah, so Primordial is about the space race 
Um, it's kind of an alternate universe where they sent some animals into space, specifically Russia sent Laika, the dog, and mm-hmm. America sent Abel and Baker, two monkeys, um, and they disappeared and the space race was over. You know, people, they just decided they weren't going to pursue space travel anymore. Mysterious reasons. Dr. Pembroke is looking into this. Um um, but it turns out that these animals were actually transported to the far edges of the galaxy where, for mysterious reasons, they are gifted intelligence and such. And it's just an amazingly pretty book. It's really The space stuff is just beautiful and gorgeous. Um, mm. It's a really nice story because I was very familiar with the story of these poor animals that went up to space and Laika didn't come back. We know Laika never came back. Um and it's just nice to think that, yeah, they were actually taken by aliens. Um, it's very emotional if you've ever had a pet of any sort. Um, yeah, it's like very emotional on that level in that the animal story is told. Dr. Pembroke's really an interesting character. He's an African-American scientist um, in the 90, early 1960s. Um, mm. There's a lot of Cold War sort of espionage stuff going on as well. Men in black hats and the like. Um yes. We're only for it's only going to be six issues, so we're over halfway, and it's just really good. It's it's visually absolutely up there, um, as good as anything we've seen, I think, for Andrea Sorrentino. Um, Jeff Lemire is just the angst king as usual, um, but yeah, really, really good, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing that conclude in the new year. I very much agree. Um... I haven't read issue four yet, but the issues so far that I have read have all been really, really good. Um, there's just... They're, they're a good combination as a creative team, uh, Lemire and Sorrentino. I've... I think we were both anticipating Primordial quite a lot, and I think what we've got is quite different from their previous stuff so um joke killer smile joker killer smile and what green arrow and gideon falls gideon falls god i've only just reread that um is a completely different kind of story and i think it shows an impressive kind of variety on both lemire and sorrentino's part um Really not sure where we're going at this point, and no. we're halfway through. We're over halfway through, so I guess we'll have to find out soon. But um, really like it. Really stylized. Reminds me of uh, Lesser Forty Four at times, particularly with the kind of alien weird spaceship and the just yeah, just that weirdness which um, really works. And I think it's nice having. Laika and Baker and Abel as protagonists rather yeah. than purely human protagonists. It's a nice change-up. Um, something we see pretty regularly in comics, but I don't know if we've seen it from Lemire before. I'm trying to think back over his previous works. I don't think we've had an out... I mean, we've had, I mean Sweet Tooth is its own thing. Um... Yes. We had Bloodhound in Bloodshot. But we did have Bloodhound, yeah. <laughs> but we've not had anything quite like this from Lemire. No. Um, but I like, I like Primordial a lot. I think it's interesting to see something short form from Jeff Lemire when we've got quite long things recently. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah really into this mm. looking forward to those next few issues yep so is that us so we us done yeah cool um thank you for joining us if you've been listening to our countdown of the ever top picks of the best of 2021 we're going to be doing a uh, article to accompany this which will be way longer and be with full more of, pictures with, with more pictures <laughs> and be full of things that are worth checking out this year from yeah. this year um it has been a very very good year picking things was hard yes a very good year for comics and i look forward to what's to come in 2022 there's been some really cool looking stuff solicited and some of the things that are currently ongoing i think are really exciting to be reading right now and i look forward to wherever they might go agreed so um on that note then Mm. we have been angela and zach collectively bigger than capes and will continue to be and remember that comics Ah, bigger, bigger than, than cakes. cakes.